Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. Hello, this is Tom Nettles. This is the next edition of The Doctrinal Component. We're looking at the issue of law and gospel, and we began this by talking about Andrew Fuller. And we'll spend a few sessions on him and his struggle with the realities of law and the duty and the obligation that goes along with God's revealing of the law. And whether or not this transfers into a duty to believe the gospel. When we last talked about Fuller, we talked about how he had begun to investigate the whole idea of faith and he had heard scriptures come to his mind that he felt might be a personal assurance to him from God that he indeed had his sins forgiven and his transgressions blotted out and taken away from him. But these ideas of personal revelation through the words of scripture soon would pass away and would give way to a more genuine and astute understanding of what scriptural revelation was and how that relates to our experience. But he is involved in wondering about faith, but does not seem to have any genuine and deep convictions about the nature of sin. However, in 1769, uh, he came under deep conviction of sin. This was when he was 15 years of age, getting close to 16 years of age. He says, The fire and brimstone of the bottomless pit seemed to burn within my bosom. He thought about whether or not it was valid for him to seek to come to Christ for salvation because he had been taught in the context of hyper-Calvinism that a person did not have any right, they had no duty and they had no right to come to Christ unless they were convinced in their soul by special revelation of the Spirit that they were among the elect of God. But Fuller knew he was perishing. He was deeply convinced of his sin. And he began to look at the book of Esther and how Esther dared to go into the presence of the king, Ahasuerus, even though he had not called her and her understanding in order to protect her people and to make a special request of the king was that if I perish, I perish. And so Fuller says, I determined to cast my perishing soul on the Lord Jesus. I was not then aware that any poor sinner had a warrant to believe in Christ for the salvation of his soul, but suppose there must be some kind of qualification to entitle him to it. That qualification would be an earnest conviction and knowledge that the call he was receiving was actually an effectual call, and therefore he was among the elect. But Fuller goes on, yet I was aware I had no qualifications. He says, yet it was altogether from a dread of wrath that I fled to this refuge, for I well remember that I felt something attracting in the Savior. I must... I will, yes, I will trust my soul, my sinful lost soul, in his hands. If I perish, I perish. However it was, I was determined to cast myself upon Christ, thinking peradventure he would save my soul. And if not, I could but be lost. 
In this way I continued above an hour, weeping and supplicating mercy for the Savior's sake. Then he says, My soul hath it still in remembrance and is humbled in me. And as the eye of the mind was more and more fixed upon him, notice he says, upon him, that is, upon the Savior, upon the Lord Jesus, my guilt and fears were gradually and insensibly removed. He goes on to explain, I now found rest for my troubled soul, and I reckon that I should have found it sooner. Now, he's not talking about salvation. He would have found salvation sooner. He is saying he would have found rest for his troubled soul sooner. And he goes on, If I had not entertained the notion of my having no warrant to come to Christ without some previous qualification. This notion was a bar that kept me back for a time, though through divine drawings I was enabled to overleap it. As nearly as I can remember in the early part of these exercises, when I subscribed to the justice of God in my condemnation, it's a very important conviction to which he came because it helps inform his understanding of the relationship between law and gospel. I subscribed to the justice of God in my condemnation and thought of the Savior of sinners, I had then relinquished every false confidence, believed my help to be only in him, and approved of salvation by grace alone through his death. And if at that time I had known that any poor sinner might warrantably have trusted in him for salvation, I conceive I should have done so and have found rest to my soul sooner than I did. I mention this because it may be the case with others who may be kept in darkness and despondency by erroneous views of the gospel much longer than I was. Well, he says that he was kept in darkness and despondency, but he was not kept away from Christ because he goes on to say that he believes that he was actually converted earlier in these exercises. He says, When I thought of my past life, I abhorred myself and repented as in dust and ashes. And when I thought of the gospel way of salvation, I drank it in as cold water is imbibed by a thirsty soul. My heart felt one with Christ and dead to every other object around me. I had thought I had found the joys of salvation heretofore, but now I knew I had found them and was conscious that I had passed from death into life. Yet even now my mind was not so engaged in reflecting upon my own feelings as upon the objects which occasioned them. He was not looking inward, but was looking to the glory of Christ as seen in his redemptive death for sinners on the cross. Well, we'll pick up there with Fuller's Theological and Spiritual Pilgrimage Concerning Law and Gospel. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Doctrinal Component.